Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Doesn't it feel good to know that we're loved by him? Isn't it refreshing to know that, that there's someone who loves you unconditionally and that the one that loves you unconditionally knows you better than anyone else? See, some people think that they know you and they love you, but they don't know everything about you. And so sometimes when someone says, I love you, we could be tempted to think, well, you love what you know about me, but if I showed you all of me, would you still love me? But there's one who saw you before you were born, who saw every day that you would live, who sees you now where you are, and he loves you more than anyone who knows less. The one who knows you the most loves you the most. I mean, that's a liberating thing. That's a freeing thing. That's the freedom that we find in Christ. It's like, I, I, I realize that I've been loved perfectly by one who is perfect, even though I'm not. So I didn't earn his love, and I don't have to keep earning it. That's why it's so important that we know that he loves us and we know that his love for us is not based on anything that we've done. It's not based on our own good works or our own good deeds. I'm going to move this out of the way or I am going to knock it over by the time service is over. But that he loves us because he is love. Come on, I have really good news for every single person that's sitting in here this morning. Every person that's, that's, that's joining us online, every person in our church family in Ringe, everybody that is listening to the sound of my voice now or someday in the future, I can say it prophetically because the day that you hear this, it will be as true as the day that I said it. God loves you. Now, I mean, we say like, amen, but man, if we really... Like, if that revelation hit our hearts the way that it can, it would change everything. God. Not a person. (laughs) All of heaven echoes. No, but not a person. Not someone who doesn't know the real me, but the one who actually saw the real me before I even knew the real me. The one who saw me when I was living apart from who I was created to be and said, I see where you are, but I know where I created you to be. I'm not, I'm not disdained by you. I'm not turning away from you. I'm not ashamed of you. I see you and my heart is broken for you because I know who I created you to be and I know how I created you to live and I see you living less than you were created for and it breaks my heart for you but it doesn't make me stop loving you. That's freeing. It's like, man, once I realize that, it's like, wow, so you're telling me that that even when I was at my worst, you still loved me? That frees me from insecurity. Why would I ever be insecure again? Because at my worst moment, he loved me. And now that I've been born again, I'll never be there again. But even if I ever was, I have an anchor that says, when I was in that place, he loved me. 
before I was lovable in my own eyes, before I did the first thing right. I have this like baseline that says, in my worst place in life, he loved me. So now, how much more should I be able to believe his love for me, not based on my works, but based on his spirit transforming me from glory to glory into the image of his son? We have to believe that. We have to believe that because that's where it starts. When they came to Jesus and they said, what is the greatest commandment? He said, well, the greatest commandment is this, that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Another version says your heart, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. But why does he put that one first? The reason he puts that one first is because he knows something. He knows that I can only do that in response to knowing and believing that he loves me. And I have to start there. Because nothing else that he's going to say after that is possible until I actually believe that he loves me. Because we love him because we realize that he first loved us. That means before you knew there was a God to love. I mean, you want to talk about like, You couldn't earn his love. You didn't even know that he was there to try to earn it from, and he loved you. You were an enemy in your mind. You were completely turned against him, living self-consumed and selfish. You didn't even know that he existed to try to perform yet. Like, you were incapable of even trying to earn his love because you didn't even know that there was a God that existed and that he loved you. And while you were there, before you had your first thought toward him, He loved you. And if we don't believe that, then we'll spend the rest of our lives trying to find, trying to earn, and trying to feel worthy of being loved. And the whole time, making sure that we never feel it because we cannot experience his love through what we do. We can only experience his love through faith. In what he's done. That's why the gospel is good news. Come on, the gospel is good news. It's the pearl of great price that when a man finds it, he sells everything. It's because when we discover the gospel, when we discover who God is and what he's done for us and how he loves us and, and the, the, the plan that he has for our lives to be redeemed and transformed into the image of Jesus and, and that he would send his son while we were yet in sin because he loved us, not so that he could. He wasn't like he was in this place of going, oh man, I wish I could love them, but I don't, so I'm going to send Jesus so that I can love them. No, I love them so much, I'm going to send my son so that they can actually be born again and receive all of this love that I have for them. That they would know the height and the depths of of my love for them. That's why over and over again when we read the gospel, when Paul's writing in letters in the word and we read the gospel, it always starts with God sending his son to love us while we were in sin because he never wants anybody to think that it was because of their good deeds or their good works or because of them being such a good person that God looked down and thought, well, they deserve it. I guess I'll send Jesus. I see how hard they're trying. I see how good that they have been. They've really cleaned up their act. And so I guess I'll send Jesus now. Now that they've, they've finally started to get it right, 
I'll send my son now. They, they deserve him now. No, he wants us to be sure of and understand that before we even knew that there was a God to try to earn love from, he loved us so we can never again in our lives put ourselves in the position of feeling that we have to earn and work to be loved by him. Oh, it, it, see, this brings life to us. And it's like, man, this would never become an excuse then to live differently than his word calls us to live. No, it would be the empowerment unto that. It would be like, man, God, you saw my life and, and you said that, that, that who I am in you is worth sending your son to die for. That starts to change me. I start to see myself differently because I begin to see myself the way that he sees me. And I believe that I'm more than my mistakes. I'm more than my failures. I'm more than just sin waiting to happen. That I had the potential to manifest the glory of God in the earth. If I would be born again and his spirit would come and dwell inside of me. Come on, because Christ in us is the hope of glory. Well, if the knowledge of his glory is going to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea, and Christ in you and Christ in me is the hope of that glory being revealed, then that means that he intended for us to live in a way that revealed the glory of God. So that the glory of God would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, as you and I live the life he created us to live and died for us to have. The glory of God becomes manifest in us, and we become the love of God shed abroad in the earth. That's why we're here. At the end of it all, we exist to be loved by him and then for that love to flow out of us so that a world that doesn't know him could experience the love of the Father through our lives lived. I, was, I woke up this morning thinking about, uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse 1, Paul's in the middle of talking to the church about spiritual giftings and different positions that people have been put into and giftings that God has given to men and spiritual gifts. And he's, 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 he's urging the church to, A, earnestly desire them. But, but in the middle of all of this stuff that he's talking about, when he starts talking about them, when he finishes talking about them, it's like he stops in the middle of it and goes, I just want to make sure they have this right. Because if they don't have this right, then they'll see these things as a way to earn the love of God. Or they'll see the lack of these things as a lack of the love of God in their life. And I never want them to get into that place of being insecure about God's love for them. And I never want them to feel like the love of God is proved by their gifting. Because if that's the case, then I only feel as loved as the gifting is that's flowing through me. And so if all of a sudden I haven't operated in my gifting lately, then I wonder if he still loves me. And then I have to go out and try to make a way for it to happen because the only way that I feel loved is when I'm doing things rather than be just because I understand he loves me. And man, that's a dangerous place to be in. And Paul never wanted us to be there. And the Spirit of God writing through him never wanted us to be there. So he says this, if I speak with tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, isn't it amazing that he ties... The gift of prophecy to knowing mysteries. The gift of prophecy is not a circus trick to impress people. It's not something to draw attention to ourselves. It's to reveal hidden things of God. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries, 
and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not love, I'm nothing. And if I give my possessions to feed the poor and I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. God, thank you for your word. I thank you that it's alive, that it's quick, that it's sharp, that it's powerful. God, that it divides what is of you and what isn't of you. God, that when your sword comes, it doesn't just cut to hurt, harm. God, it cuts to remove. That your word is a sword that removes from us any thinking, any way of being, any motive, anything in our lives that's not born of you, that's not born of love. God, that your word is a sword that comes to divide that so that we can clearly see. And so, God, I'm just asking right now that you would anoint the words that you've given me to speak, that they would fall on good soil, that our hearts would be open, that we would receive your word implanted, and that fruit would be produced in our lives by your life lived through us. God, that the glory of you would be manifest in the earth through the love of God flowing through and out of us so that we can say, what I have, I give. And know that what we're giving is the only thing that changes anybody ever. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've, I've read this verse and I've always thought about the fact that and, and I think it's right, but, but maybe it's a part of it, is that, you know, if I was to do all of these things, but I didn't do them out of love for the people I was doing them for, then it's a waste. In other words, when we, when we stand before the Father and we are rewarded or judged for our works, it says that, that some of the things that we did that weren't done for him and that weren't done out of love, that they'll be burned up and, and we'll pass through, but we'll come through with nothing. Smelling of smoke. But, but all the things that we did out of a pure motive, out of a, a, a heart of love for him and a heart of love for others, that they'll actually pass through refined as gold and silver and, and will be rewarded for those things. See, it's comforting to know that it doesn't matter what people think, but it also should be a little bit sobering that it doesn't matter what people think. Because God's not going to ask people on that day if you did it out of a pure heart of love for him he'll know and so will we but it's amazing because he's not going to ask people on that day so it doesn't matter what they thought our motive was it doesn't matter how they judged us it doesn't really matter what they thought of us what matters was the why behind our life and he knows that and he's not influenced by the shouts of people screaming one thing or by the praises of people saying another. He knows. And he says we'll be rewarded for those things. And so I, I've always read this and preached this and taught this and heard this as, you know, that, that I could be doing all of those things for selfish reasons. And, and if I'm doing them not out of love for people, then if I don't have love for the people that I'm doing them for, then, then even if those people would benefit, how many of you know that if you gave all your possessions to the poor, it benefits the person that you gave it to? But it profits me nothing if I didn't do it out of a heart of love. Maybe it got me the praises of men. Maybe it got me attention. Maybe it got me a, a name that I was looking for. But in the end, it profits me nothing because if, I if what I was doing it for was the reward of people, then I've received my reward here on earth and there will be no reward in heaven. And that is true, but this morning I woke up with this verse on my mind and I was thinking about the fact that 
if I don't have love, it profits me nothing. If I don't have love, it's because I don't believe that he loves me. Because we only love because he first loved us. So the reason that I wouldn't have love for the people that I was doing it for is because I don't have, I haven't received, and I don't believe the love of God for myself. And so why does it profit me nothing? Well, the reason why is because if I don't believe that he loves me, then I'm doing those things to try to earn love. But there will be no return on my investment because the very thing that I'm seeking for by doing those things is the very thing that's supposed to compel me into doing those things. And if I believe that what I'm doing, see, people will, you'll do things for people. If you don't believe that God loves you, then you have to find somebody that loves you to make you feel loved. Or if you believe that God is God, and, 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 but you don't believe that he loves you, then you have to do things in order to feel lovable to him before you can actually believe that he loves you. And so you might be doing all of these things, but it profits you nothing because at the end of it, it doesn't earn anything from him. And he's set it up that way so that we can never, ever experience his love through the things that we do. We do the things that we do because we've experienced his love. That way we never get trapped in the rat race of trying to earn something that can only be received by faith through grace, by, by grace through faith as a free gift. And so even if I don't realize it, I may think that I'm doing that for what people would say about me or so that people will love me or so that I will get recognition or so they'll put my name on a building or so that I'll have a legacy or all these different things. But the truth of the matter is, is I'm really doing it because deep in my heart, there's a need for the love of God. And if I'm not receiving his love, then I'll try to fill that void in any way that I can. And so uh, while it may look like I'm doing it for the applause of people, I'm really doing it because I'm desperately craving for somebody to tell me that I am worth being loved. You see people that, it talks about if I gave my body to be burned, and I was thinking about how, you know, we've always taken that as meaning if I was martyred for Christ, which it truly does, but I was thinking about how many people burn themselves out doing, 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 doing. You know, when, when, when we have intimacy with the Lord, we have oil. And so when our lamp is burning, it's not burning us. The, the oil is the fuel that is wicked up into the wick. And the, what's burning is not the wick itself. What's burning is the fuel that's being drawn up into the wick, which is the love of God, the intimacy that we have with him, which is our oil. But, but if there's no oil there, then the wick itself burns, and eventually it burns out and it's consumed. And I was thinking, like, how many people have given their selves to be burned because they don't really believe that God loves them. They don't really believe that they're worthy to be loved. They don't believe they deserve love. But if I could just do and you would love me, then maybe that would change the way that I feel about myself. And so we burn ourselves out because there's no oil, there's no intimacy, there's no love of God that's flowing through us and, and, and that's keeping the flame burning. And so now we're actually burning ourselves all because we haven't received his love. 
And whether we know it or not, we're desperate to feel loved by God. And it, it has to start and end with the gospel. It has to start with me believing the gospel, the good news, that God in his great love for us. I want you to see this uh, in Romans 5, chapter uh, 5, verse 6. I just want you to realize how many times when Paul talks about the love of God, he points out that the love of God was there while we were in sin, while we were enemies, while we were at our worst. He wants to make sure that we never, ever hear the love of God in a way that comes and says, once you got things right, then God loved us, because he never wants us to get into our earning and performance mindset where we feel like we have something to live up to in order to receive. He wants us to receive so that we live up to the life that Jesus died for us to live. So that we do walk in a manner worthy of our calling. The problem is, is when we get the, the, the order wrong, we're trying to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, thinking if I just could walk worthy, then he would love me, rather than realizing he loves me, he changed me, he transformed me, and the love of God is now what compels me to walk in a manner worthy of my calling. I'm going from love, not for love. It's why when Jesus comes before he does the first thing in public, he hasn't done anything yet in public. God says this about it, in the sight of everybody, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Why? He wants everyone to know all the things you see Jesus do are not so that I'll say that at the end of his life, they're because I said that at the beginning. He hasn't done anything to earn it yet that, that humans know about. And yet God just makes this declaration at the beginning rather than at the end. Come on, the way that you hear well done, good and faithful servant is believing that he's made you a good and faithful servant now, not that you're working your way into hearing that. Good and faithful servants do it because they are compelled by the love of God. They're not being compelled for the love of God. Come on, if we get that order wrong, see, that's what leads to legalism. Legalism is a, a, a way of man trying to define a, a way of living that will make me worthy of love, rather than realizing that, realizing that I, he loves me will actually change the way that I live far more than a book full of rules. It's why Jesus said, listen, in all the, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and strength and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And on this hangs all the law of Moses and the prophets. What's he saying? All the laws that were asked of you are all fulfilled by you actually loving him, which means you have to first believe that he loved you. Because we can only love him in response to his love for us. So once you believe that he loved you, now you love him in return. And now you're actually capable of loving who he made you to be. And you're capable of loving other people because you are receiving something from him that you can give. And now there's this receiving of his love. And it's not a one-time thing. It's not like we come to him and we realize, man, while I was at my worst, while I was dead in my sins, while I was dead in my transgressions, while I was an enemy to God, all the ways the word paints it, while I was there, you loved me and proved it. The Bible says he displayed his love or demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet in sin, Christ came and gave his love. So it's not like, it's not like well, God, I'm so thankful that while I was at my worst, you demonstrated that you 
you loved me by sending your son to die for me, but now that I've been born again, now there's a new playbook, there's a new way of living that now I have to continue to live in perfection in order for you to keep perfectly loving me. It doesn't start one way and end another. This is what Paul was talking to when he's talking to the Galatians. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? In other words, you guys, he's talking to them about legalism. He's saying, what, what, are you now, what started by the Spirit and by faith, are you now being perfected by the flesh? In other words, like, like it, you guys, you understood, you heard the gospel, and it began with the Spirit of God coming and, and giving you the gift of faith to believe that he loved you. That's how your life started. Why would you then switch once you've been born again and once you've received the gospel and believed it? Why would you switch then from believing that he loves me because of who he's made me to do and because of who made me to be and because of who he is to now thinking that if I want him to keep loving me, I've got to earn it.